Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? The show must go on, Dan. And it will. Yeah. And it will today. It's been a busy week. Yeah. I was uh, that the terror attack yesterday keeps me occupied when it comes to these cable news hits, but you know, because of the obviously the law enforcement background. So yesterday was a super busy day. Did a Hannity show last night and I do it all from the same studio. I do the podcast in. So to paint a picture for you, you know, we got the mic, my desk and office here in my house up in the front. And then we got a big camera and a a 70 something inch TV screen behind (laughs) me. So we record the podcast, you know, go get change, put on a collared shirt and then uh, bounce right into the cable news stuff. So, you know, last night was an interesting Hit I was on with Austin Goolsby on Hannity debating him about, you know, this Mueller special investigation, which mm-hmm. has turned disastrous. And, uh, you know, I have some couple comments on that later, some interesting stuff uh, developing about that. But first thing I want to get to, you know, uh, we did a show after the what was it? The, the, the driver who mowed down those people in New York, the terrorist, the uh, savage uh, man beast animal mm-hmm. who ran those people down um, in New York over on the West Side. Uh, we, we did a show and I was giving you kind of a quick law enforcement perspective about the confusion out there about Miranda, the federal judicial process, the criminal process, what you and I would go through. You know, we're not terrorists if we want you committed a federal crime and the alternative, you know, treating them as enemy combatants process. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is Andy McCarthy, who I I really can't say enough good things about over at National Review, his pieces, if you're not reading them and you're interested in in the Trump-Russia investigation, the federal judicial process, terrorism, you're, you're really doing yourself a disservice. I mean, the guy's incredible. All you have to do is read his stuff. I will post an article today in the show notes at Bongino.com. Of course, you can subscribe to the email list, which I encourage you to do at my website, and I will send these articles right to you. But Andy has another amazing piece at National Review asking the question we asked a couple weeks ago, Joe, which is why the rush to get this guy, the bomber from yesterday morning, for those of you who missed the story, guy set off a pipe bomb managing to... Uh, injure himself more severely than anyone else because terrorists, thankfully, are some of the dumbest animals on the planet. Um, But why the rush to get him into the federal criminal system? Yeah. Now, folks, most of you listening to my show know I am a diehard conservatarian who is extremely skeptical of government power. Um, You know, I don't think we should send the guy to Gitmo tomorrow. I think there's some advantages to putting him through the criminal justice system later. But there's no advantage to doing that right now. And McCarthy's piece lays this out. He is a lawyer, worked for the DOJ. Matter of fact, he worked for the Southern District of New York unit that's actually going to prosecute this bomber from yesterday in New York. And a couple questions here. So number one, why the rush to Mirandize him and shut down the interrogation? Folks, I don't want to repeat that show, but it's it, this point is worth repeating. You don't have to Mirandize anyone. You know that you Miranda rights. You've seen it on TV. Yeah. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Everybody's heard these a thousand times on TV or <laughs> if you've been arrested, so you've probably heard them yourself. I'm sure most of you haven't, but you know, I was a cop and a federal agent and you read the same Miranda rights to people. You don't have to read Miranda. I can't be clear enough on this. Yeah, we did We did a whole half a show on this before. We did a whole half a show yeah. on this. Miranda, here's all you have to remember about Miranda. Custody plus interrogation equals Miranda. For this guy, the bomber yesterday, or anyone else arrested in the federal or or, uh, or state judicial systems, right? 
If I have you in custody and I ask you questions, and this is the critical part. So custody, meaning you're not free to leave, Joe. Mm -hmm. If you are free to leave, you're not in custody. I don't have to Mirandize you. If I ask Joe Armour, Joe right now is in Maryland. I am in Florida. We are talking via Skype connection. Mm -hmm. If I was a federal investigator talking to Joe on a Skype connection Mm -hmm. about Joe ripping a mattress tag off. (gasps) This may be time, Joe. Do you have that sounder ready that our friend Ron P. sent us from Spider-Man? What? What? (laughs) Joe ripped. Thank you, Ron P. That's funny. It's Andrew Garfield from Spider-Man. What? Joe ripped the mattress tag off. If I'm interviewing Joe about the mattress tag. What? <laughs> and I say to Joe, I'm federal agent Dan Bongino. Joe, you are free to leave. It's a Skype connection. I don't have you in custody. I'm interviewing you over Skype. I just want to ask you a few questions. I don't have to Mirandize Joe to use those statements in court against him or anybody else. Right. He's not in custody. If he is in custody, though, and I say to Joe, I, I, I take a trip up to Maryland. I interview Joe about ripping the mattress tag off. What? <laughs> and I say to Joe, you are not free to go. I have to read his Miranda rights if, 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 if I want to use those statements against him in court. The reason I'm bringing up the McCarthy piece, the Andrew McCarthy piece, is I was wondering yesterday, and I don't know when they Mirandized him. I want to be crystal clear on this. Obviously, I was not involved in the investigation. I'm a civilian now uh, who does content production. I'm not a cop anymore. I don't know when they Mirandized him, but they should be in absolutely no rush to do it, Joe. Mm. Now, think about why, right? Hmm. Joe, let's put on your Inspector Clouseau shoes for a minute. And you're involved in this case, right? Mm-hmm. What evidence do we have that the New York uh, City bomber yesterday, I'm not even going to pronounce his name because one, he doesn't deserve it. But secondly, I'm going to butcher it anyway. I mean, I have it. I'm just not really interested. I'm not interested in giving this guy any notoriety at all. He's just a loser, savage uh, pig, and he deserves to die anonymously uh, if he's sentenced to death. Um I, obviously, I'm a little upset, as most of you are, about at these guys. Yeah. But you're an investigator investigating this guy, Joe. I know you weren't a cop before, but I'm, I'm not trying to set you up. Like, if what evidence do we have right now that this guy committed this this act of terrorism? Well, we have the videotape. Ah, yes, and in the videotape, Joe, who's in that videotape in addition to him? I believe other people. Other people, yes, there are other people there. So, in other words, we have eyewitnesses too. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Very good, Inspector. Joe is on the ball, as always. Armacost always bringing it. So there you go. Joe is right. Joe is not a professional investigator. Joe was not a cop. Joe has been doing this content production stuff for a very long time. And even Joe realizes that this is, folks, an open and shut case. Yeah. It is likely beyond the reasonable doubt, the evidentiary standard needing for a convic- needed for a conviction in court. Everybody knows that, right? Probable cause that he committed the crime is needed for the arrest, mm-hmm. the taking away of his freedom, beyond a reasonable doubt, is needed for a conviction in a federal court. Folks, it is more than likely that at this point, it is beyond the reasonable doubt, despite the fact, I mean, uh, excuse me, not despite, in addition to the fact that it's likely after he was arrested, I don't know this, but he probably made some statements incriminating himself as well. Mm. He probably woke up after this idiot realized he'd done more damage to himself, thankfully, than anybody else. and was probably like, oh, my stomach hurts. Did that bomb go off? Why? <laughs> because he's a jerk. He's a pig. He's a loser. Couldn't even, uh, you know, couldn't even manage to. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, these guys are really dumb. I shouldn't even say that. But thankfully, these guys are so dumb that they wind up doing more damage to themselves sometimes than others. 
he probably said something like, oh, my stomach hurts. Did the bomb go off? Uh, uh, if you didn't. A- now, Joe, keep in mind, again, Miranda, uh-huh. if you just show up on the scene and he spontaneously utters that, you you can use that. You just take it down in your memo book. You know, suspect said, blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh-huh. But of course. But of course, Inspector. <laughs> so. My point in this whole thing is, and 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 and, and not to beat the dead horse on this, right. but and uh, you know McCarthy writes this in a piece as well that legally the worst thing that can happen is you're not going to be able to use these statements if you don't Mirandize him later. Not the spontaneous utterance on the scene, but let's say it's a prolonged interview at that point. You don't read a Miranda, you take him into custody, and you start asking him. He's unquestionably in custody. He's got handcuffs. Mm-hmm. You bring him back to the precinct. But my point yesterday was why Mirandize him at all. You don't have to use the statements in court, Joe. It's an open and shut case. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interrogate the snot out of this guy. You don't have to bring a lawyer in there. The only condition, Joe, is you can't use the statements, but you don't need the statements in court. Mm-hmm. Folks, I, I mean, I don't speak with forked tongue here. Again, I don't know everything they have, but as a former Fed here in this, I'm telling you, like this, you don't need to Mirandize this guy. Now, uh, McCarthy takes us to another level. And this is why I wanted to include the piece. I'm going to move on to some other stuff. The, he takes it to the next level. And he, uh, whereas I would suggest right now, not Mirandizing him potentially, Joe, for days. McCarthy has a, you know, a better idea. McCarthy says, hey, you know what? The statute of limitations on an attempted bombing, Joe, mm-hmm. is five years. Meaning you have five years to charge this guy in the federal court system, right? right? You have five years to do it before the statute of limitations runs out if you decide to take him through the federal system and not declare him an enemy combatant. McCarthy's like, hey, forget the Miranda delay for a couple hours, like I was suggesting, even a couple days. He's like, why not just do it for years? Hmm. And, he, and, and he brings up an interesting point that I think on this show we should consider. Everybody. He said, this guy could be valuable forever. We don't know who this guy met. Apparently, he's traveled overseas significantly. Let's say, Joe, in two or three months, a, a name comes over of a foreign terrorist from a foreign intel source and says, hey, look out for this guy, Joey Bag of Donuts, whatever, mm-hmm. in Iran. You don't know. This guy may know him. You may say in a couple months, because you've delayed Mirandizing him and you haven't put him through the process yet, you may say to this guy, hey, um... You know Joey Bag of Donuts from Iran? Oh, yeah, I met him in a terror training camp. It's a, it's a fascinating point that, i be honest with you, I hadn't considered a delay mm. of that long. Obviously, I considered a delay because we've already talked about it unless, you know, the show two weeks ago. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. trying to celebrate our talking points. I'm just saying McCarthy and I tend to think alike on a lot of these issues. But it is a fascinating proposal that why Mirandize this guy tomorrow, the next day, weeks later? You don't need to. Right, right. Wow. Custody plus interrogation only to use the statements in court. Miranda equals custody. Is he in custody? Yes. Are you interrogating him? Yes. But do you want to use the statements in court? I would make the case to you, mm, probably not. Now, you may say to yourself, and this is a fair question, you may be thinking this, Joe. Okay, well, you kind of set yourself up there a little bit, right? Because if custody plus interrogation to use in court, and then later on he identifies Joey Bag of Donuts, now, those statements going to be admissible in court. And the answer is no. Right. But you still have intel on Joey Bag of Donuts that can stop an attack. So is the are we triaging our responsibilities or not? Are our responsibilities to stop attacks or to prosecute people after the attack? And the answer is obviously to stop attacks. If you had two choices, Joe, hmm. stop a terror attack in New York by intercepting a terrorist before he does it, 
or successfully prosecute him after he kills people? The answer is obviously number one. Right. Interesting piece. Please, folks, read it. It'll be at the website, Bongino.com, and in the show notes. It's a really good piece, and I just strongly encourage you to follow his writings at National Review. He is a he's a terrific writer. Okay, um, let's see. Where do I go next? All right, let's go to uh, number two here. This is a question that has a uh, story number two, that is. <laughs> let's go to number two. That could be taken a couple different ways. Was something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> It's just, you know, I have kids, and that's the first thing. Five and five year old, that's like the first thing that comes to mind. By the way, my five year old made the most expensive piece of wall art last night in uh, Bongino family history. Well, what do you mean, you say? So, my <laughs> wife's doing these Christmas cards, right? And, you know, we got a lot of them. We take, you know, we take care of everybody. We send them to people who are on our campaign and everyone. I mean, we just have a really long Christmas list. <laughs> So my wife goes to the post office show and buys, you know, books of stamps, lots of them, oh, like a real lot of them. Yeah. Oh. And, and Joe's met my kids. So Joe oh. knows my five-year-old. Yeah. So we go in the room and look, mom, stickies <laughs> everywhere. It was like a, a $70 piece of wall art. So we're like, you know, my wife's like, I don't really even care about the money. It was funny at that oh. point. You know, you care about waiting on the darn line at the post office again for all these stamps. So, oh, my Amelia, you got to love that kid. She's the best. Mm. Look, mom, stickies everywhere. <laughs> ah, those are stamps. Those are not stickies. Oh, boy. All right. So getting back to story number two, one of the things that's puzzled me for a long time, um, and if you ever have heard any of my speeches on YouTube and I was running for office or anything, uh, because I, I ran in Maryland twice, is the... Um, almost unquestioned allegiance by many black and Hispanic voters to the Democrat Party. Now, I say in Maryland because Maryland has one of the largest populations of black voters um, in the United States. And when I was knocking on doors, I saw uh, up close and personal firsthand a really puzzling phenomenon. I would talk to black voters and Hispanic voters who would, you know, pledge to me right off the bat because I'd say, hey, I'm Dan Bongino, Republican running for Senate or Congress when I ran in Maryland. And they would say, you know, well, I'm a Democrat. They were all super nice, but they talk to you. And, you know, but then you get to talking to a lot of the black voters and Hispanic voters and their stated values that they would tell you about, Joe, were almost always conservative. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not all. I'm not trying to stereotype a group of voters in any direction. I'm just telling you based on probabilities and percentages, the people I spoke to, the overwhelming probability was you were going to run into a black voter who was largely conservative. The percentages were super high. And when I say conservative, I mean very pro-life, very religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what else? It's on taxes, yeah, on taxes, you'd get both answers. You know, I think taxes are good, support the government some. I think we should pay less. Um but on 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 social values, uh, things like you know the position of religion in society, pro life. I was always astonished how many Black and Hispanic voters were. I mean, not just socially conservative, Joe, but very socially conservative, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, I mean, I don't I don't get it. Like the unfettered allegiance, just based on percentages to the Democratic Party. I mean, we've had numbers up in the. I mean, how many voted for Barack Obama? And you know, a, a Black voters ninety plus percent. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, gosh, this can't be right. Why am I bringing this up? Daily Signal has a really, really good piece. Again, it'll be in the show notes um, about black and Hispanic unemployment and the numbers. Of course, we do facts and data on the show. The numbers are very, very telling. You got that Dom DeLuise one? Yeah, get get a hold of it. After I read these numbers, play Ron P's uh, Dom D one, because this is pretty funny. All All right. Here's some numbers from the Daily Signal, okay? Black unemployment, folks. 
under the Trump administration, now we're almost a year in office, black unemployment has fallen from 8% to 7.3%. The labor force participation rate, in other words, the amount of people working amongst black voters, has gone up from 61.9 to 62.2. Hmm. All right. Hmm. More. Not done yet. Hispanic unemployment has dropped from 57 to 4.7%, the lowest level in 44 years. These are historic unemployment lows, which is good. You obviously want less amount of people unemployed. For Hispanics, the lowest number in 44 years, and this is critical. Listen, listen, listen. And the lowest number for black of uh, Americans, an unemployment number, since 2000. Notice, 2000, a year Barack Obama was not in office. So in other words, the eight years of the Barack Obama presidency reached no prior level of unemployment as successful as Donald Trump has had in attaining for uh, for black Americans. Folks, this is very telling stuff. Now, you may say to yourself, oh, okay, you know what? That's a blip. That's some kind of, you know, uh, anomaly. It's not indicative of the effectiveness of Republican policies. Let me read you something here. This is a I had to take a screenshot of some of my own notes I took a while ago. Hold on. This is from this is from an uh an uh, a black columnist by the name of Joseph Perkins. You can look him up. P E R K I N S. He studied the effects of Reagan's economic policies, right? On Black America, Joe. Here are some staggering numbers, okay? He found that after the Reagan tax cuts gained traction, African American unemployment fell from 19.5% in 1983 to 11.4% in 1989. Mm. Black-owned businesses saw income rise from $12.4 billion in 1982 to $18.1 billion in 1987, an annual average growth rate of nearly 8%. The black middle class expanded by one-third during the Reagan years from $3.6 million to $4.8 million. Cue our buddy Dom DeLuise. I don't get it. I don't get it. That was from Ron P, by the way. Shout out. I don't understand. I, 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 I'm I, being serious, folks. I get it. I, I mean, black voters, Hispanic voters are not one issue voters. Um, I understand that. I'm certainly not trying to paint with a broad brush any group of voters. What I'm asking is a very simple question. How is it that 90% plus of black voters support in some areas of the country you know, Baltimore and other areas, almost universally Democrat candidates based on just the voting percentages and at the national level, Democrat candidates in the case of Barack Obama. We know that for a fact, given that the numbers, at least the economic numbers, the the simple facts and data anybody can look up are almost universally better, universally better for Republicans and Republican leaning policies. You know, I don't want to beat the thing to death because the numbers speak for themselves, folks. But this is kind of puzzling. I mean, you know, when you look at areas of the country that are struggling, when you look at places like Baltimore, a place I'm intimately familiar with from my time living in Maryland, a large population of black uh, citizens, black voters, large black population in the city. You have struggling schools. You have a struggling economy. You have a struggling public safety situation, and yet you have a you haven't had a, a Republican city council person in the city of Baltimore since the 1930s. You have not had a, a real conservative. I, I mean, you've had Republican mayors there, um, 
but you haven't had a, a serious conservative uh, movement in the city, I think, in forever. And you wonder, given that the numbers and the fact that there are black voters out there, Joe, experiencing this right now, the revival in the economy under Trump, because they're getting jobs. These are real people in real life getting jobs. You wonder why at least larger percentages of, of black voters and Hispanic voters aren't saying like, hey, gosh, this is um, it's a little different. I mean, under Obama, we, you know, I wasn't getting a paycheck and, and things weren't quite working out. And now all of a sudden unemployment's going down, median wages are going up. I just I don't get it. I don't again. It's hard for me to uh, to beat it to death. I just wish if if there's people listening to this who happen to be black or Hispanic voters who are absolutely convinced that the Democrat Party is the only path forward. I'm not suggesting to you Republicans have all the answers. I'm not. I'm just suggesting to you based on my experience running for office, knocking on doors and my experience with the facts and data I just told you. Maybe it's time to consider that there may be an alternative out there. Maybe it's not Republicans. Maybe it's libertarians. Maybe it's a conservative candidate. Maybe it's an independent. But maybe Democrats are not the path forward. Just a thought. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. I like the letter I. Uh, You know, big supporter uh, of this company because they're terrific. One of the things in the Secret Service when I was an agent we prioritized was marksmanship. And there's a very simple reason, folks. You're carrying a high-powered firearm near the President of the United States. They used to say in the Secret Service you were responsible for every single round. Now, the government has a lot of resources, as we all know. So we used to go to the range every month and shoot a course of fire. And we used to go quarterly, by the way, to shoot the, the mp5 the shotgun in some cases the uh the ar platform uh we you know we we had to keep our skills sharp good marksmanship's a diminishing skill you don't practice it you're going to lose it like anything else you don't shoot a basketball you're not going to be that good free throws shooting a firearm is the exact same way folks you got to practice now range fees can get expensive we all know you got to go to the range but it's just not practical practical to be able to get there every month you have to spend money on the ammunition it's it's the time away from home you got to clean your weapon so these guys said well what if there was a way to practice in your home safely with your firearm with the firearm you own right now you don't have to buy any special stuff any special barrels special ammunition guns you have to do any of that and they invented this incredibly cool laser bullet this is what iTarget is the website is letter i itargetpro.com a lot of people email me about the website. It's itargetpro.com. They'll send you this laser bullet and a target. You drop it in your firearm, the one you have now. You just tell them what kind it is. You drop it. That's not going to do any damage to your gun. And when you depress the trigger and you practice your trigger pull and your sight alignment, you're aiming at the target. It emits a laser. And you'll see on this phone app exactly where your rounds went. It is the coolest thing ever. You won't put it down. I'm just warning you. Once you pick it up, Cancel your plans for about eight hours because you're not going to stop. And watch, even over the course of one session, how your marksmanship skills go through the roof. This is an unbelievably cool Christmas gift, by the way. Go check it out. iTargetPro. That's the letter. iTargetPro.com. Competitive shooters dry fire without live ammo 10 times more than they live fire. And they do this for a living. Folks, this is the best way to improve your marksmanship, trigger control, sight alignment, your grip. Go check it out, itargetpro.com. And I'll even give you 10% off if you use promo code. Well, they'll give it to you. It's not my company, but I'll read it to you at least. Promo code Dan. That's my first name, Dan, D-A-N. You'll get 10% off, itargetpro.com. All right. Let's see. Story number three. Discrimination is alive and well in the United States. Yeah, I mean, it's a troubling story. Uh, this is one of those stories you, you're not going to see a lot about in the mainstream media, Joe, because they uh, largely avoid this stuff. Mm-hmm. 
But this is a sad story. You know, I mean it. It's it's you read this. It's in the Daily Signal. It's just the stories about Asian Americans and acceptance rates into colleges. And I have some numbers here that are going to really blow your mind. They're all in this piece at the Daily Signal, which are going to be at the show notes. But it's really troubling because you want to believe in the in the greatest country in the history of humankind, the United States, which I passionately believe. I know we make mistakes, but this is a big mistake that needs to be remedied. Asian American students cannot get into college working at the same speed, rate, and level of effort as other uh, minority groups can. And that's, by definition, Joe, unfair. Here's some numbers for you from the piece. Asian Americans must score 140 points higher on their SATs than white students to gain admission to colleges. What gets worse? They must score 270 points higher than Hispanic students to get into colleges and 450 points higher than black students to get into colleges. Now, folks, this is by definition discrimination. And the reason I bring it up is, you know, the why matters and the overall the overall umbrella view, 30,000-foot view of why this is happening should matter. It should matter to you. You know, if you read Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, Friedrich Hayek, which is an amazing book, I strongly encourage you all to read. It's evergreen. It's good. From now, it's good. It talks about universal principles. One of the points he hammers in the book repeatedly is government-enforced, air quotes here, Joe, mm-hmm. equality in outcome is by definition the treating of people unequally. Think about what, what he's saying there. This principle matters, and it matters that you understand this because it applies directly to this story in the Daily Signal. And the genesis of the story, just so we're not throwing that, hey, Asian Americans are discriminated against. Well, why? Well, the news story is the Department of Justice is now looking into Harvard University for what they believe is discrimination, in fact, Joe, against Asian American students. Hmm. That's happening now, and it, my humble opinion, long overdue. But think about what I just told you, right? How forced equality of outcome means the government has to treat people unequally. The antithesis of the actual idea. Mm-hmm. If you're not basing any of this on achievement and merit, and you're just basing this on skin color, and you're saying, in other words, that black students can score 450 points lower than an Asian student to get in, What liberals see, Joe, and this is critical, what liberals see is the benefit to the black student only. Remember Thomas Sowell, he always says, you know, the problem with liberalism is they they only see the first order effect. Mm -hmm. They never say, okay, then what? The second order effect. And then the third order effect. Okay, then what after that? Right, Joe? Mm -hmm. All they see is the first thing. Oh, look, this is benefiting black students who are getting into Harvard despite lower test scores. Great. That's wonderful. People get opportunities. But by forcing that outcome on the college or by the college using racial preferences and and de facto quotas, Joe, to enforce, say, we're only going to accept this. You know, it's done with a wink and a nod, Mm -hmm. of course. They'll say, oh, it's just a holistic evaluation and race is just one factor, which I think we all know is is nonsense, at least based on the facts and and the data. When you say we're only going to accept this percentage of Asian students and no more regardless of their scores, then that's where liberalism stops. Liberalism stops at that first order analysis. You see where I'm going with this show? Like, oh, look, we benefited black students who get into Harvard. Yeah, perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. Right. Step two is, yeah, but who got screwed over? Yeah. Oh, this this poor Asian kid who's working his butt off. And in the piece in the Daily Signal, they talk about this guy. Uh, I think his name is Michael Wang. 
you got to see this guy's resume, Joe. He was like, uh, you know, top scorer in his class, you know, perfect GPA. He's like the number one piano player in his town or whatever it may be. This guy's got a ringer resume at Harvard or one of the Ivy Leagues. I don't know if it was Harvard, but said, no, no, thanks, Michael Wang. And Michael Wang, fairly enough, said, well, was it my last name? What is it? I think this guy deserves an answer. So he's part of this lawsuit that the DOJ is up against Harvard and other Ivy Leagues where people are looking into this and say, hey, that's not fair. Folks, I get it. There's a history of discrimination in the country. It's been very severe for black Americans. Nobody disputes that. No sensible person would say that Jim Crow and the history of slavery did not have some generational impact. But remember, Asian Americans were discriminated against, too. Granted, not in the exact same way or the over the exact same period of time. Nobody disputes that. You know, you had the internment of Asian Americans during World War II. I mean, at some point, Joe, we just have to say, okay, the country's got battle scars, significant ones in the case of the black community mm-hmm. and the Asian community, although albeit in different ways, Joe. But at some point, we have to move on and say, okay, those battle scars, let's recognize them. Let's not repeat the horrible, atrocious sins of the past. But moving on in the future, let's present a level floor for everybody where everybody can get access to the building based on based on the access to the building of opportunity, I mean, based on their merit and their ability to work hard. Let's not pick and choose winners because when you pick and choose winners in society, whether it's admissions or anything else, Joe, and you're the government, you by default pick losers too. It's not fair. Folks, it's just a matter of, a matter of simple fairness. And, and the why matters here too. This is an effort by the critical theory leftists who believe that everything is an enforcement of the white patriarchal power structure, including college admissions. So in other words, their line is, well, the system did it, so black Americans shouldn't be held responsible. So who should be? Asian Americans? So Michael Wang, who's trying to get into what works is off the entire time, he should be kept out of an Ivy League because what he did? What did he do wrong? Folks, we should not be enforcing equality of outcome. We should only be enforcing equality of opportunity. That opportunity is up to you at this point. It's not an absolution or a a forgiveness of what happened in the past. These are horrible things. We should always recognize it. It's part of what happened. We're a country of men and women. We made a lot of mistakes. But doubling down on the mistakes going forward by discriminating against Asian Americans in an effort to help another racial group is by definition discrimination. What's next? No, I mean, seriously, what's next? You get a group of Arab Americans who get, let's say you get a group of Arab Americans, Persian Americans that come over from Iran that are super smart. Do we keep them out of college too? No, no, Joe. We are over our percentage of Persian smart Americans, and that is impacting other groups. So let's keep all the Persian Americans out. I mean, where does it end? This is insane. Guys, this is important stuff because every minute of our collective American life that we engage in discrimination and reverse discrimination and white privilege talk and keeping Asian Americans out of college only further engenders the next generation of animosity towards a government that can't seem to get its head out of its butt on this. My man. That's it, brother. It's the only way to do it. I'm sorry. We are, we're battle scarred. I get it. I totally get it. 
I have not been to subjected at ever in my life to the indignities of having to drink from a colored water fountain. There are people alive who have had to experience that. We should never, ever forget the sins of the past. I can't even imagine getting salt thrown in my eyes if I was a black American sitting at the white counter in some places down south. My, my heart bleeds for you. Whether you believe that or not, because I'm a conservative, is irrelevant to me. I know what's in my head. You don't. Even seeing it in movies, in movies, that's all like I didn't witness it up. It is, and you know it's fake. It's a movie. Even seeing it in movies, movies brings tears to my eyes. It's just so troubling to watch this happen here. But that era's gone. Recognize those sins. Never repeat them in the past. But let's not double down on repeating the sins in the future against other disfavored groups. It's not fair. I'm sorry. And reading this story about Michael Wang, I think you'll feel the same way. Poor kid working his butt off. He probably his entire life wants to get into an Ivy League school. And he can't because why? He's been subjected to some random racial quote. Oh, we have enough Asians in here. Like it's a group of automaton robots. The Asians are coming. This is ridiculous. Sorry, I didn't mean to spend that much time on that. But it's an important story, folks. You know, read Hayek, The Road to Serfdom. And you understand the damage government does by forcing equality. It's really enforced Unequality, inequality, and discrimination. Whew. All right. Uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brick House Nutrition. Hey, um, <laughs> it's always uncomfortable segues at three, but you know these guys keep the show free and they're really good. I wanted to show you something, folks. They, um, I've been uh, privy enough. I get free stuff from them because they're awesome, Brick House. Mm. They've been a sponsor for a long time, and they sent me their new product. So I actually took a screenshot of the label of their newest product, which I am crazy about. It's called Field of Greens. Now, we all live busy lives. I know Joe. Joe's up all day doing this, <laughs> editing. He's got to edit today because I screwed something up before. Uh, you know, I only edit when they really distract from the show. But right, Joe? We, yeah. we leave in a lot of stuff. Yeah, we but do. I was like, oh, man, I had a total meltdown on that one. But we all live busy lives. Joe does. I do. And one of the things about BrickHouse is they're always producing products to make your lives better. And it's really tough to get in. We all know eating fruits and vegetables is good for us. I mean, there's no more universally accepted tenet of nutrition than eat your fruits and vegetables. The fiber, the micronutrients, the macronutrient profile, they're great. But who has time? No, I mean, seriously, who has time to prepare up uh, everything from broccoli to kale to, you know, uh, although it's not a vegetable, like green tea type uh, drinks? I mean... Uh, nobody has time for that. These guys put it all in a convenient powder. This is terrific. Here's some of the ingredients in this stuff. This is right off the label in the back. By the way, I take it now two, three times a day. It, it, it is unbelievable. The taste is pretty good too, which is shocking. Some of this stuff tastes like dirt. This stuff is pretty good. They have an organic greens blend, spinach powder, parsley powder, kale powder, barley grass, organic wheatgrass powder, spirulina, uh, chlorella, green pepper, uh, green apple powder. It goes, I'm not even telling you because I don't have a lot of time. They have probiotic fibers, organic strawberry, organic raspberry, organic blueberry, organic tart cherry, organic pomegranate, cranberry. goes on and on. Ginger powder, licorice powder. Where are you going to eat all this stuff? Well, I got the answer for you. Field of Greens. Folks, again, there is no more universally accepted tenet of modern nutrition and health that eating fruits and vegetables is good for you and will improve the quality of your life. Go pick up a bottle of this stuff today. I uh, Here's what you want it. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's kind of stupid considering we have so many. Don't tell anybody. This is my secret. Yeah, go right? ahead. I call this my long life cocktail. <laughs> my long life cocktail. All right. 
I mix green tea with V8 with field of greens yeah. and a little bit of collagen. Now, you may say, oh, that sounds pretty nasty. I'm telling you, the field of greens is good. If the fruits in it give it a nice taste. I mix that all together in a big, and I swallow that sucker down like there's no tomorrow. It is terrific. That's my secret. But field of greens is the core of it. Go give it a shot. It actually tastes pretty good. Go check it out. Field of greens available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. If you check out our email list, it is right there at the top. There's a quick link to it. But check this stuff out. It's fantastic. All right. Hey, um, the Mueller thing I said in the beginning of the show, yeah. I just bring this up and, you know, I, I, I talk about it a lot and I don't, I don't like to repeat shows or beat up the audience too much with it, but there is an interesting piece in the wall street journal today about the dangers of firing Bob Mueller. And uh, I think it was William McGurn who wrote it, who does great work. And Bob Mueller is the special, the leads uh, investigator on the special counsel looking into Trump, Russia. And folks, I have to tell you, um, I wholeheartedly disagree. Now, McGurn is a very smart guy, and he brings up a couple interesting points. Uh, he says, well, if he fires Bob Mueller, uh, Donald Trump, the head of the special counsel into the fake Trump, Russia investigation, he says it's just going to invite more congressional scrutiny. You know, it's basically going to be talk of impeachment, and it's going to look like he has something to hide. He proposes some other mechanisms, and one of those vehicles he proposes is uh, Kimberly Strassel made a point of, hey, how about we just appoint someone within within the FBI and DOJ to make sure FBI compliance with these demands for Congress for an investigation? Okay, fair enough point. But he basically says, Joe, the point of his piece is don't fire Bob Mueller. It's a mistake. Folks, I disagree. And I, I, I'm, this is not reactionary. It's not me trying to be the hyperbolic, you know, screamer on the roof. Fireball, it's not going to help anything. Okay, it's ridiculous. It's not going to help anything. I say it from a strictly practical perspective. Bob Mueller was assigned a special as the special the lead special counsel, lead of the special counsel, precisely to investigate Trump Russian collusion. We have seen none of that. Nothing. Matter of fact, we're, they're having a hard time showing how the Russians infiltrated the election yeah. to change the result. That is, Russians are always trying to hurt our elections. Show no doubt, but they're not our friends. Right. Let's be crystal clear on that. So there is no Trump Russia collusion. We get that. I've done shows on it. No need to. There's nothing there. There's no there. No one's shown that yet. Nobody has shown any evidence at all of any collusion to overturn an election whatsoever. But the investigation has streamed off the beaten path. You've seen this this uh, investigation into Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort and his business dealings prior to uh, becoming Trump's campaign manager. It has nothing to do with Trump-Russia collusion. It may have a lot to do with Manafort's collusion, Joe, mm-hmm. but that was an issue that could have been handled by the FBI anyway. There was You, you see where I'm going, Joe? Yeah. There was no need for a special... The special counsel, folks, to be crystal clear, was organized and put together specifically to go after Trump under the allegation that he had colluded with the Russians to overturn an election, of which there's no evidence at all, and this is turning into a witch hunt for everything but Trump-Russia collusion. It is time to fire this guy. I, I don't think they will, but you're... The premise for not firing Gordon McGurn, and again, he's a bright guy. I read his columns all the time. I think he's terrific, but I just respectfully disagree with him. Not firing him, Joe, under the you know uh, under the idea here that oh look, it's going to unleash the press and unleash Congress and make him look at the Trump and make it look like he's guilty. That's already happening now. Yeah. They hate this guy. They're, 
there's going to be talk of impeachment. There's talk of impeachment now. Al Green, that representative, just introduced the resolution impeachment articles the other day on the House floor. In other words, Joe, nothing's going to change. You fire Mueller, it's not going to stop the FBI from investigating anything. You're not shutting the FBI down. It's not going to stop Congress from investigating anything. It's going to stop a special counsel investigation that has clearly, by any reasonable measure, gone off the rails. It was started to investigate Trump Russia. Nothing. There's nothing there. So now it's into Manafort. It's into a couple fibbers they call in. You know, uh, you know Flynn. Who I, at this point, I'm I'm telling you, I think history is going to judge Mike Flynn completely differently. By the way, but you see my point, Joe. Yeah. Like, don't fire Mueller because, you know, it's going to fire up the press. Oh, the press, they need firing up to go after Donald Trump. Are you crazy? They invent fake news now. Or it's going to fire up the impeachment talk. Folks, it's already happening. It's going to look like he has something to hide. They're saying that now. The guy has nothing to hide. Don Jr. has been releasing everything. Don Jr. is like a guy DM me on Twitter. Here's the stuff. Here's the email. I mean, what are they hiding? If there's evidence out there that there was collusion, step up. Step up. You know, we have that Phil uh, Robertson, the Duck Commander show on CRTV. <laughs> he has this great episode about preparing shrimp. He's like, if you could prepare something better, you need to announce it and step up. I love that. And so far, I've watched it a thousand times. Then step up, folks. If there's Trump Russia clues, then step up. If not, fire this guy. I'm sorry. There's no reason for it. It's not an effort to hide anything, Joe. It's an effort to get back to a normal system of justice in this country. Oh, please. And yesterday, doubling down on this, by the way. And this is not the special counsel, to be clear. This is the DOJ. But the special counsel has its own problems. Andy Weissman, who is, uh, you know, quote, the bulldog on the special counsel, who was at Hillary's uh, election night celebration, which turned into a disaster. Mm. He's the one who sent the email to Sally Yates congratulating her, the number two at justice for defying Trump. These guys, they're clearly, clearly biased. Clearly, you had the lead investigator sending 10,000 e- uh, texts about Trump or something like that to his mistress. I mean, come on, who was also on the special counsel. But we find out yesterday through some stellar reporting by James Rosen that one of the associate deputy attorney generals in the Department of Justice, a guy by the name of Bruce Orjo, mm-hmm. not only met with Fusion GPS, the producers of the fake Russian dossier, mm-hmm. but his wife worked there. What? 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 <laughs> See, you're good. I like this. See, that's why I'm giving you full control of the soundboard now. Thank you, Dan. As of now, you are you are to go forth with full control of the soundboard. My friend Ron P has done a nice job. He, I, I said to Joe before the show, I go, I love this, Ron. I don't have to go out there and get any sound clips. He sends them to us. It's terrific. So Joe's got a nice little cornicle. We try not to beat you up with too much sound, right. but it is funny. What? That's good. Folks, the guy's wife worked for Fusion GPS, so let me get this straight. A high-ranking Department of Justice official by the name of Bruce Orr. He meets with Fusion GPS, who produced a fake document on behalf of Hillary's team full of salacious allegations provided by Russians. So just walking through this, Hillary and the DNC paid the Russians through this guy, Christopher Steele, for fake information on Trump. The fake information on Trump, the guy who produced the fake information on Trump, who who was the conduit for the money, Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS, met with a high-ranking justice official, who, by the way, didn't feel the need to disclose this, Joe. And, by the way, justice said justice official's wife was working at Fusion GPS at the time. Nothing to see here, folks. Don't you worry at all. No problems. No problems. 
time to wrap this thing up, folks. I'm sorry. The country needs to move on. All right. One quick last thing. I usually don't do this, but I wanted to squeeze this in because it'll be in the show notes today. Sometimes I throw stories in that I don't get to discuss, but if you want a good laugh, read this story at the Washington Examiner about the opponents of net neutrality. Listen, I get it. There are passionate people on both sides of this, but I'm going to ask you a very simple question that I've asked before, but I'm going to ask you again more directly. Mm-hmm. Who are the uh, who are the supporters of net neutrality now? When you look at the supporters, if you were a conservative, you should probably say to yourself, oh, wait, I'm not one of them. Here's just a list in this Washington Examiner piece of, of, of the greatest hits. You have the Democrat FCC commissioner. What is it? Jessica Rosenworcel. You have Democrat senator from New Hampshire, Mag- Maggie Hassan. You have New York attorney general, who is a far left liberal, Eric Schneiderman. These are all supporters of net neutrality who have been open advocates over the last few days of basically government control of the Internet. That's what it is. Make no mistake. And I just want to show you the grassroots, um, the failure of grassroots, the total astroturf nonsense going on behind the scenes by some people to make sure the government, through net neutrality, gets its mitts on your internet. Now, there's a there's a vote scheduled coming up very soon to get rid of this disaster, this Obama administration control over the internet, and the uh, Pew Research did did a uh, survey, Joe, a uh, uh, pro people supporting government intrusion into the internet, right? Mm-hmm. They received 21.7 million comments from April 27th to the end of August. You may say, wow, gosh, there's so many people out there supporting net neutrality who want the government taking over the internet. That's amazing. 21.7 million. This is according to Pew, by the way. It's not Dan Bongino's opinion. Pew determined that many of these use duplicate email addresses or temp email addresses, and many of the sender's names of these emails supporting government uh, control of the internet, Joe. Many of the sender names showed up thousands of times in the comments. AstroTurf, AstroTurf, eh, and I saw this on Twitter. I saw this on Twitter a couple times. I just did a Tommy two times, two times. Yeah. I, I was on Twitter the other day, and I, I got into a, 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 a easy, quick, little respectful spat with a guy about net neutrality. And I went to net neutrality in the search box show, mm-hmm. and I noticed something funny on Twitter. The exact same response one of the guys was sending to the other guy supporting net neutrality Mm -hmm. had literally been copied and pasted by thousands of bot accounts that were sending the same thing. It's AstroTurf, folks. Net neutrality is a scam to get government involved in the internet. And as I said when we covered this a week ago, it should tell you something that the first action by the Obama era FCC using net neutrality to attack was to attack people who were getting the internet uh, or sites on the internet for free. Zero rating, the ability to give your site away for free using certain data providers, that was the first thing the Obama administration went after. So don't believe this hype, oh, they're going to go after internet fast lanes and rich people are going to get a different internet. No, no, no. They went after poorer folks and middle income folks who actually needed to go to certain sites and use data for free. That should tell you something. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please go to Bongino.com, subscribe to my email list, and I will send you these articles. See you tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.